The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Start! You can call me Bruce. Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Welcome back. And I sure hope that you came back after such a heartbreaking loss that the Buffalo Bills experienced since the last time we talked. We have a lot of things to get into, but this is going to be kind of a different style than perhaps you may be used to because historically on Thursday episodes of the Bruce Exclusive, I dive into specific narratives about specific players after having watched them on the film, after having digested a little bit, and I can kind of attack these narratives and approach them that have kind of popped up because every game sort of has its own story. And sometimes those stories don't even start getting told until the final whistle. It's about how the fan base and the media, how they react in the time between something that happens at the end of the last game and something that happens at the beginning of the next game. In that window of time, the non-football time, that's where the story is actually written. And sometimes that story doesn't necessarily reflect what actually happened on the field. They sort of take on their own lives They take on forms of their own, these narratives, and they need to be addressed positively or negatively on the Thursday episode of this Bruce exclusive podcast that you're listening to. But because it was such an interesting game, I spent almost the entirety of my time with the film on a specific thing that we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, before we get into that thing, that we're going to talk about from the film. Here is the plan for the Bruce exclusive for the bye week. Today, we are going to tackle a very, very specific narrative coming out of the Bills-Cardinals game. Tomorrow, 
we are going to have a very, very special guest on this podcast. The best guest, in fact, that I've ever had. And so that's very exciting to have that. And that's kind of a surprise. And then next week on Thursday, there's not going to be narratives to tackle from the previous game because I will have done it today. So instead, next Thursday, we are going to have a discussion and we're going to start a dialogue about quarterback metrics and specifically how they can be used to measure Josh Allen and how he's measuring up next to other quarterbacks in the league and something proprietary that I have come up with that I feel strongly will be able to help me personally get a more well-rounded view of quarterbacks. And I hope that potentially it helps you as well. Next Friday will be almighty takes and crumbling their cookies. So basically this Thursday is pretty much normal. This podcast you're listening to right now. And then next Friday is pretty much normal, but the two in between are going to be a little different. And I'm very excited about some different content, mix it up a little bit. And I hope you guys enjoy it. I've got one more housekeeping item and then something newsy to talk about before we dive into the narrative. The second housekeeping item, I already mentioned the first, is make sure you go and subscribe to the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube channel. That is something that we are really injecting a lot of content into. Jay Spence the King does the chop up there on the YouTube channel live after the games. And they bring content to the YouTube channel. So make sure that you are subscribed to that because there's going to be content that's going to be coming there and is coming there that you may be missing if you are not subscribed there. Now, something newsy. The newsy thing that's been making its way around the Bills Mafia stratosphere over the last couple of days is Sean McDermott's discussions regarding Mitch Morse. And there are three things that Sean McDermott said that we are having a hard time marrying together as a fan base. The three things are he was healthy enough to play. It was a coach's decision not to play him. And he was not being benched. Well, hold on now. If it was a coach's decision not to play him and he was healthy enough to play, then that means he was being benched. We cannot marry these three concepts. I am here to tell you that that was a badly answered question by Sean McDermott. And I know it was badly answered because it spurred this conversation. All three of those things can be true simultaneously. Mitch Morse can be healthy enough to play, which means he cleared concussion protocol. It can simultaneously be a coach's decision not to play him. And thirdly, he could not be being benched. All three of those things can exist simultaneously. And our cognitive dissonance there is what's causing the frustration from the fan base. I will believe it when I see it. When Mitch Morse doesn't roll out at center after the bye week, then I'll panic. But until then, I can see all three of those things being simultaneously true. Bruce, how does that work? Well, healthy enough to play is not the same as healthy enough to start. And healthy enough to play does not mean that there wouldn't be benefit from waiting. And that's right there. That right there is where I think Sean McDermott is. Yes, he was healthy enough to play. I also think there is benefit from waiting two more weeks because we have one more game and then the bye. 
Healthy enough to play? Sure. Absolutely. Healthy enough to play. But let's all err on the side of caution. We've all gotten really used to the term abundance of caution in this COVID world that we live in right now. That's what I think is happening here. He just didn't use the phrase out of an abundance of caution. Side note, do not play the abundance of caution drinking game. You will die. If you take a shot every time somebody says abundance of caution or there's a press release, I need to talk to the PR people who work for these teams and organizations. We got to come up with a better phrase than abundance of caution, right? Surely. I digress. Anyway, all three of those things can be true simultaneously. Mitch Morse could be healthy enough to play. It could be a coach's decision not to play him. And he could not be being benched. Those things are allowed to exist. A lot of what constitutes miscommunication in this society is because we have a hard time imagining two, three, four things that can all exist simultaneously. We cannot imagine these two things that appear on the surface to be mutually exclusive. We cannot imagine that they're not. We cannot fathom the fact that all three of these things can be true because we can't see an outcome. We can't see a situation that hits all three of these boxes. But there is. Mitch Morse could have been healthy enough to play. Sean McDermott decided anyway because of the health and because, hey, you know, I know he's well enough to play, but an extra two weeks isn't going to hurt. And if anything, it's probably going to benefit him. That's a coach's decision, but the coach's decision is not based on his play. Therefore, it's not benching. So all three of those things can be true. I will believe it when I see it with Mitch Morse. I will believe that he's benched when he doesn't roll out their center. I'm not even worried about it. I have a, I, I would be, I would be as shocked as I have ever been about a Buffalo Bills coaching decision if Mitch Morse did not roll out there. I would be floored if it was not health related, if he was just actually being benched. Because Mitch Morse is arguably the best lineman on this team. Deion Dawkins has been playing very well this year, but Mitch Morse is a stud. And he has been everything they thought he was going to be since they brought him over and gave him a big contract. So I I just don't think there's much to it. I think it was not necessarily the, the best answer he possibly could have given, but I think there is an avenue where all three of the things he said are true. So the Bills lost to the Cardinals. I know, right? Probably sick of hearing about that. Probably really sick of seeing the catch. I am. But specifically, one of the things I wanted to talk about today, and quite frankly, something that's going to take over the majority of our conversation is one specific narrative from the game. And that is the third quarter offensive lulls. This has been a discussion most of the year. And as I have gone through and watch the film on the team over the course of this season, I have frequently come across the conclusion that there's nothing markedly different about the play calling during the third quarter. And what happens is in a vacuum, when Bill's Mafia doesn't know what's happening in the third quarter, they start to fill the vacuum with other things, like we become passive in the third quarter. We take our foot off the gas, things like that. The purpose of this podcast today and the purpose of our discussion is to help to lift the fog of war that is associated 
with the third quarter with the Buffalo Bills. I went through and charted every single play that the offense ran for the Buffalo Bills after they went up 23 to 9 and they went through that lull and they punted, punted, intercepted, punted, intercepted, those things. That whole stretch from the third quarter all the way into the fourth. And I went through and plotted every single play. Now, in case you would like to know why I do not do this for every single week, it's because it takes eight to nine minutes for me to chart one play. Which means if I want to chart the entire game, it'll take me 16 hours. I don't know if you know this or not, but I do not have that kind of time. So in addition to watching the game, I would have to put 16 hours in to chart the entire game. That also would not include specific observations on specific players. Because each player takes me a little bit as well. It's just not possible. Now, there might be people out there who are better than me at that, who can do it a lot faster. But as a general rule, it takes me eight to nine minutes to chart one play. You will realize why that is here in a few seconds. But we are going to go through every single one of those plays. And we're going to start with first and 10 from the Buffalo 12. The Bills had gone up 23 to 9, and then the Cardinals had come right back and scored. And now it was time for the Buffalo Bills to answer. Why are they at the 12, Bruce? Why did Andre Roberts take it out? It actually wasn't Andre Roberts. It was Darren Lee. Darren Lee was the one who completely whiffed on a block in kickoff coverage. There was room for Andre Roberts had Darren Lee not whiffed. The Bills are in 11 personnel, trips right, shotgun. Arizona is in base. Now, it's very important to note that for the Arizona Cardinals, Isaiah Simmons is listed as a linebacker. So when he's on the field with two other linebackers, technically, that is base defense for them. For a different team who classified Isaiah Simmons as a safety, it might be big nickel. So even Arizona's base defense is a little bit lighter. It's a little bit leaning toward nickel. It's that purgatory area between nickel and base. Very important. The offense brought Beasley in motion under the quarterback who was in the shotgun, then orbited back around behind to hold the backside linebacker on this run play. It works. It holds Isaiah Simmons, but two people were coming off of that side. The play accounts for one of them because Cole Beasley is holding that backside linebacker, but Hassan Reddick is coming down the line as well. Singletary is the one who gets the handoff, and he would be able to squeak through the hole before Reddick crashes down on him if Brian Winters hadn't messed up his block. If Brian Winters would have gotten across the face of Angelo Blackson, this could have been a run play. But Angelo Blackson beat him to the point, blew up the run play. Before we go any further, I fully recognize that audio is not the appropriate medium for having this discussion. Video would be better so I can show you that. I know it. I totally get it. But this was important for me to do because this is a huge narrative It's something that's popped up quite a bit. And I'm going to try to do my best to try and tell you a story through my words. We'll see how evocative I can be. But I understand that listening to this on your phone or listening to it on your car Bluetooth or your radio, whatever it is that you use to listen to it is not the ideal method of consuming this particular type of content. I recognize it and I hope you'll forgive me for it anyway. So now it's second and nine, Buffalo 13. 
Bills are in 10 personnel. Cardinals are in nickel, single high safety at the snap. Buda Baker is the slot defender to the right. He comes on a blitz. Marcus Golden drops out from the line on the other side, which means you still have four on four, but it's a zone slot pressure. Winters sees him coming. And by him, I mean Buda Baker. But he oversets and gets beat inside. Josh Allen steps up and around to avoid the pressure from Baker. He locates Beasley, but his pass on the move is off target. Third and nine, Buffalo 13. Bills are in 11 personnel. Cardinals are in base again with Simmons. They're in a muddle front. Muddle front, lots of bodies right there on the line of scrimmage designed to confuse the protection. Who's coming? Who's dropping? What's the scenario here? They're showing single high. They drop out at the snap, leaving a four-man rush. One of the four is linebacker Jordan Hicks. But stop me if you've heard this before. Brian Winters is late to recognize him as one of the four as he slips by. He's picked up by Devin Singletary, good for Devin Singletary, and Allen is able to reset in the pocket. It's cover three on the back end by the Cardinals. Because Allen got pressured, his eyes went from Diggs to Gabe Davis back to Diggs, didn't get to his tertiary option, which was John Brown on the backside ISO dig route, which would have been open against cover three. Diggs gets five yards, almost breaks the tackle for the first down, and the Bills are forced to punt. This is an important play. I mentioned that Josh Allen's eyes went from Diggs to Gabe Davis and back to Diggs. This was a shot play called for Gabe Davis. I put this on my Twitter, go back and find it, from Tuesday evening when I was doing this film work. The Bills know that other teams know that they like to use the wide receiver screen against pressure. This was, I throw rock, you throw paper, you know I want to throw rock, so I'm going to throw scissors. That's what this was. But the boundary corner was an off coverage, which hurt it. And Brian Winters was late to recognize one of the rushers. And as such, Allen had to speed up his processing. This call is an example of, of Brian Dable self-scouting and knowing tendencies. It's third and long. Third and long against the Seahawks, and that little slip screen to John Brown was where that big gain happened. So now he's in third and long again. The Cardinals are in muddle front like they're going to bring pressure, and the play call is designed to make the Cardinals think that they're going to do the slip screen, in this case to Diggs. But it's not. Gabe Davis is going to run directly at that boundary corner like he's going to block him and then try and get by him. But this didn't work because, number one, it was cover three and not man, which hurts in this case. That was already going to be a mark against this play being successful because it was cover three. The second mark against it is Brian Winters allowing the pressure and having to have Josh Allen speed up the processing. Then the 13-yard punt happened. Well, the Bills end up getting the ball back. It's now 1st and 10 on the Buffalo 25. Bills are in 11 personnel. Cardinals are in nickel. Allen is under center, single back. This is an outside zone run call. Williams and Winters do a good job. They cut on the backside. Moss makes the right call, puts his foot in the ground, cuts it upfield, almost gets caught by the man Winters didn't 100% take down. He kicks out of the tackle, gains 14 yards. It was a well-executed outside zone run by the Buffalo Bills. This is the type of play 
that Brian Dable wants to run that Quentin Spain doesn't do great at. I mentioned before that one of the reasons why Quentin Spain, although I believe he's the superior player to Brian Winters by a decent amount, one of the reasons that potentially Quentin Spain wasn't a fit with Buffalo anymore was because of his lack of a mobility. This is the type of play that Quentin Spain wouldn't necessarily run well. So I want to point that out while we were here. So now it's first and 10 on the Buffalo 39. Buffalo is in 10 personnel, four wide receivers. Cardinals are in nickel. Bills open, trips, bunch, tight left, but then Brown goes across the formation to form a two-by-two. Diggs goes in motion. Nobody comes with him, which means you lean toward, hey, maybe this is zone. But actually, it's man cover zero. Doesn't matter because it's a run play. Hassan Reddick gets inside Daryl Williams, makes the play for no gain. The blitzer was not the one who got home. This is really important. So a big gain could have been had, had not been for Hassan Reddick beating Daryl Williams. Okay, second and 10, Buffalo 39. Bills are in 11 personnel, shotgun, Cardinals are in nickel. Beasley goes in motion, crosses formation into slot left, nobody goes with him. Again, you're thinking, okay, maybe zone. Cards jump off sides, they're showing single high, but they roll to cover two post-snap. Byron Murphy comes off the edge unblocked. It's another zone pressure. Marcus Golden drops out from the other side. So again, another zone pressure, zone blitz we're seeing here from the Cardinals. Allen is late to see it. So he's late to get the ball out to Singletary. Quite frankly, it's a miracle he even got it off to begin with. This is when Dawson Knox makes a completely unnecessary block in the back down the field for offsetting penalties. Second and 10, Buffalo 39 again. Bills 11 personnel, shotgun. Knox is in the up gun right in an H position. He goes in motion out to the slot. Cards show single high at the snap, standard four-man rush. They bracket Diggs, who's the first read. Knox is running a deep over. Diggs is a dig from the opposite side. That's right, Diggs is a dig. You see what I did there. Diggs' outside bracket defender, which is Peterson, is in place to make a play on the ball to Knox and picks it off. It was the wrong type of ball to Knox. Josh Allen tried to, if you're playing Madden, he tried to press and hold the button instead of tap the button. You put some air under that ball, Dawson Knox has a shot at it. Patrick Peterson probably wouldn't. First and 10, Buffalo 25 after the Bills get the ball back again. Bills 11 personnel, trips left shotgun. Cardinals base with Simmons again showing single high at snap. Isaiah McKenzie in jet motion. Jalen Thompson, who's a single high safety for the Cardinals, comes downhill fast. And Deion Dawkins is not able to get to him before he makes a great play to hold Brown on the wide receiver screen to seven yards. Now, this is a great call. This is a great example of an individual play making up and going above the X's and O's. Because this was a wide receiver screen to John Brown from the blitz side. So you had numbers. If Jalen Thompson doesn't come downhill fast and get in front of Deion Dawkins and make a great play, John Brown gets a big gain on this play. This is a great individual effort by the Cardinals' single high safety. Now it's second and three because we only gained seven there. Buffalo 32, this is the first play of the fourth quarter now. The Bills are in 11, but the tight end this time is Lee Smith. Cardinals are in nickel. This is gap power off tackle right. Feliciano and Winters both lose their blocks. Loss of three for Zach Moss. 
Third and six, Buffalo 29. Bills 11 personnel spread out. Zach Moss is lined up wide, but takes return motion in because there's a muddle front. So we need to make sure we keep somebody in in the event that there's more people than we like coming. Knox at the tight end, Beasley slot left. This is cover three with a four-man zone pressure again. Beasley makes himself hot for Allen. Dawson Knox misses the blitzing corner. Linebackers who are supposed to get over into Byron Murphy's vacated space don't get there fast enough, and Allen hits Beasley for seven and a first down. So Byron Murphy came off the slot, was replaced in coverage by a dropping back defender. So it's still four-man pressure, but different four men than you're used to seeing. And then linebackers who were in the muddle front are going to got to get out. They got to get out of Dodge and get to the spot that was vacated by Byron Murphy. If Josh Allen is late here, bad things will happen. He wasn't. He hits Beasley for seven and a first down. First and 10, Buffalo 36. Bills are in 11 personnel. Knox is back in the H-back position. Moss is the running back. Beasley slot right. Shotgun. Cardinals show too high at the snap. But Baker crashes down to blitz, and they rotate to cover one man. Allen takes a shot to John Brown. He was never really open. It wasn't a great ball. This was him taking a shot against cover one man. Second and 10, Buffalo 36. Bills are in 11. Cards are in their muddle front on second down this time. Historically, they were in muddle front on third downs, and that's kind of what they were used to seeing. So now all of a sudden, you're seeing this muddle front on second down. Dawson Knox motions over. This is outside zone to the left. Daryl Williams misses the cut on the backside on Trevon Coley. Hassan Reddick crashes down the backside, which would have been okay had Williams made the cut because Coley makes the stop for a loss of one. Third and 11 now, Buffalo 35. Bills are in 11 personnel. Knox's H back on the right side, shotgun. Cardinals muddle front again out of nickel. They show single and then roll the two man. They bring five. Simmons off the left side of formation comes completely unblocked because Deion Dawkins was late to react. This is Josh heaving it up to Devin Singletary dangerously, loss of five. I don't know whether this was Allen or the line or Singletary. I know it was a protection call problem, but Singletary went right. The unblocked rusher came from the left. I am completely incapable of telling whether or not this was Allen whether this was the line or whether it was Singletary. We know it was a protection issue. We had enough people there to make the blocks, and they didn't. Then there's a Poyer interception. And the Bills get the ball back. First and 10, Buffalo 29. Bills are in 11 personnel. Knox is the tight end. Single back, Allen's under center. The running back is Singletary. Cards are in nickel. They show single high at snap. Then Buda Baker comes. Peterson, Joseph, and Jalen Thompson are in cover three now. Looks like a run blitz call. The Bills play action with Knox on Golden on the backside flare. Allen hits him nice and quick. Knox slips the tackle, gets 10. This was a very Los Angeles Rams style play. Fake the outside zone, have people coming backside. First and 10, Buffalo 39. Bills are in 11 personnel again with two H positions, one with Knox and one with Singletary, to combat the muddle front. This time they see it on first down. And they're like, no, I have a new plan for your muddle front. We have two people in the different H-back positions, one being Knox, one being Singletary. Diggs goes in motion, which subs out the single high safety. Cardinals bring four and rotate into quarters. 
Feliciano pushes Moro, who's 69 for the Cardinals, to Brian Winters, right as Brian Winters goes to help Daryl Williams on Hassan Reddick. So miscommunication there because Feliciano pushes Morrow over to Winters right as Winters says, now he's got this. And he goes to help Williams. So now Morrow just slips right through for the pressure. Josh waited and held on to his first read too long. When the pressure came, he avoided it. He was late in acquiring Singletary. Not a great ball, but to be fair, a better ball might've gotten picked. Penalty, illegal shift, play never happened. First and 15 now, false start. First and 20, Buffalo 29, 8.39 now left in the fourth quarter. Bills are in 11 personnel. Singletary out wide, shotgun. Cardinals are in nickel. Buda Baker shows single high, rotates the cover two post snap with Peterson as the other half field defender. Byron Murphy comes off the slot over Cole Beasley. Allen is a smidge late, but Deion Dawkins correctly ID'd Murphy and allowed Ike Butker to get over. It was a good protection, gain of 12, directly at Cole Beasley in the vacated spot where Byron Murphy came on the blitz. Second and eight, Buffalo 41. Bills are in 11 personnel, shotgun. Knox is tight to the left, Cardinals and nickel. They show five-man front, different than the model front they had been showing before because there's one linebacker now head up in the A-gap. So not the muddle that you're used to seeing where there was two linebackers in the A-gap. This is a little different. All five people come, and there's a tackle and stunt on the left side that involves Hassan Reddick. Singletary misses the block and forces Allen to scramble to his right, throws the ball at Singletary's feet. This is where the unnecessary roughness penalty came on Devin Singletary. So now it's third and 23. Buffalo 26. Bills are in 11 personnel again. Moss is in the backfield with Allen's shotgun. Kirkpatrick is the delayed blitzer on a green dog. A green dog is when you are assigned to somebody in coverage and that person stays in the block. In this case, it was Dawson Knox, so Drake Kirkpatrick came. This is cover three. Daryl Williams needs chip help from Zach Moss, and he's there, but he abandons it for what he thinks is inside pressure, but it wasn't there. Josh Allen has to step up to avoid Reddick, who beats Williams, rolls out to his right, hits Brown, who worked back to Allen at the sticks, but Brian Winters held when Allen rolled out of the pocket to his right. Third and 33 now, Buffalo 16. Bills are in 11 personnel, trips right, shotgun, Moss is in the backfield. Cardinals rush four with defenders playing way off because, of course, it's third and 33. The Bills attempt to outflank them with a throwback screen and get blockers out in front. The cards rally, gain of 21. Bills punt again. The next time they get the ball back, it's one and done. First and 10, Buffalo 48. Bills in 11 personnel again. Trips left, Moss in the backfield, Allen under center. Cards are in muddle front again, this time on first down. So we started seeing it on third down, then we saw it on second, now we're seeing it on first. Both linebackers are in the A-gaps. This is play action outside zone with a two-level concept on the backside. Knox is the short, Davis is the intermediate, and then Diggs is clearing. Allen hitches and is late on this throw. Gabriel Davis clearly expected it earlier and allowed Kirkpatrick to get underneath it for the interception. That is every single play that occurred during the offensive lull in the third slash fourth quarter, the second half offensive lull 
by the Buffalo Bills that happened immediately after going up 23-9. Are you noticing any tendencies there? Is there anything particularly egregious in play calling that you noticed? Because I didn't. What I saw is Josh Allen, the offensive line, and the running backs struggling to process the pressure packages that Vance Joseph and the Cardinals were throwing at them. I also saw individual execution errors in the run game and in pass protection that led to pressures and blew up plays. I also saw some bad luck because part of this is luck. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Every single time I say it, I say the phrase, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Part of offensive and defensive play calling is rock, paper, scissors. Part of it's luck. There was some bad luck. There was some struggle with the protection. Also important note, wide receivers have a part playing in protection as well. Wide receivers need to understand. Cole Beasley did a great job. When there is a slot defender over top of Cole Beasley and they go, Cole Beasley recognizes, hey, dude, I need to make myself available for this quarterback right now. One of the many reasons why Cole Beasley is an extremely valuable member of this offense. He knows what to do when his slot defender blitzes. He knows how to make sight adjustments. So wide receivers have a part to play in protection as well. But the overarching concept for what I saw during this time is that there were individual execution errors that blew up plays and there was difficulty between Allen, the running backs, the line, and the receivers in dealing with the pressure packages that Fance Joseph was throwing at them. That's what happened in the third and fourth quarter. None of those play calls were insane to me. I don't look back at any of those plays and go, well, that was, that was overly conservative. They were clearly taking their foot off the gas. I fully recognize that that was probably a little boring. Sounded a little bit like I was doing play-by-play. But I thought it was really valuable to put in the work and to actually get every single individual play because that's some of the only ways you can disprove or prove narratives is actually roll your sleeves up, dive in, and do the work. So I hope you all forgive me for the play-by-play sound that that segment probably had. But we are going to take a quick break. We are going to come back. We're going to put a bow on this game. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L 
V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We went through every single play in the offensive lull for the Buffalo Bills against the Arizona Cardinals in the third and fourth quarter. We've talked about Mitch Morse. Now we're going to talk about defending the Hail Mary. We're also going to talk about Tyler Bass. We're also going to talk about Sean McDermott. Defending the Hail Mary is something you think about a lot as a coach. That's part of being situationally aware when it comes to football. You practice these plays. You practice onside kick recoveries. You practice running your field goal team on the field as fast as humanly possible. You practice all these things because they're situational football. And if you drew it up, you would pick Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, and Micah Hyde to be the three people at the catch point. I think that when things like this go wrong, we always want to see somebody's head roll. I saw a couple comments on Twitter like, I want someone fired for this. You want someone fired for this? Sometimes things happen. If I was going to draw that up, I wouldn't draw it up any different than having those three people at the location three on one. How could you possibly draw it up better than that? It's like if an offensive coordinator draws up a play that has a wide receiver streaking wide open toward the end zone and you miss the throw. Was it a bad play call? No, something just happened. It's the same way in the inverse here. So I don't really spend a lot of time freaking out about the Hail Mary play. Because I don't know how I would have drawn that up differently on the back end as far as coverage. I certainly wouldn't have put Tremaine Edmonds back there. Yes, he's a taller athlete, but he's not used to that type of trajectory and that type of jump with those types of ball skills. Sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes there isn't a wire or a reason. Sometimes there isn't a person whose head can roll. Our desire for consequences leads to things like, I want someone fired for this. Okay, who, for what reason, replaced with whom, and for what net benefit? Those are the four questions you got to ask. But we just, we just want to feel things, and that's okay. Feel whatever you want to feel. I will never tell you what to feel. We can talk about what's reasonable, what's logical, but you are not held responsible for your feelings. You are held responsible for your actions. I am not held responsible for my feelings. I am held responsible for my actions. So Sean McDermott probably couldn't have drawn that up any better. And I'll tell you something else that Sean McDermott did that I really liked. He was aggressive at the end of the half. He used his timeouts wisely so that the Bills would have shots at points. And they got those points. I'm going to keep beating the drum forever. Sean McDermott is not an overly conservative coach. He's not. The actions don't say that. He's not Dick Geron. He's not an overly conservative coach. This is just another one of the examples of that not being true. Tyler Bass, take a bow. It's almost as if kickers can develop over time. I'm not saying he's arrived yet. I'm saying I'm sure glad we didn't replace him. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that is it. That is it for this pod. Right about 40 minutes. And I hope you enjoyed the pod today. Stick with me. Come back tomorrow. I have a very, very special guest. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be good discussion. And until then, I leave you with this. That's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings.